0: It's time for the Security Token Show. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in security token news. Coming from across the globe to your living room.
1: And delivering all the latest STOs and getting you up to date on what's happening in the market. So what are you waiting for? Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to
2: the Security Token Show. We're your hosts. I'm Herway Coatings. This is Kyle Sollin. Welcome back. We're here in Miami, Florida,
0: ready to give you the latest and greatest tokenization news. How are you doing today, Kyle? Hey, you know what? It's another great day for Security Tokens because we've got a whole exciting top five industry news segment, trading updates, everything you know the drill. But before we dive into it, I wanted to thank our sponsor, which was our number one piece of news last week. They were our featured community member on our live Twitter Spaces conversation we had just a few days ago. If you've been tuning in to our content, you'd know it is Freeport. Freeport is doing a tokenized reggae plus, one of the few that we've actually seen come to market, and they're actually tokenizing art. We've talked about art as an asset class many times here on the show. It's a really interesting one from an exotic asset perspective. They're taking four Andy Warhols. Fractionalizing them, you're owning a literal share of the art piece. They're doing it all in the coolest ways. Shout out to Freeport. I gotta say that's pretty cool, Kyle.
2: Shout out to Freeport and all our sponsors that make this show possible. So with that, let's get into it. To the top five, we go.
0: And diving into our top five headlines that you need to know, we're kicking it off with number five. This is Credit Agricole building a blockchain bond network in partnership with S. Now, basically, they're building an issuance platform where you can originate and create debt offerings on-chain to capitalize on the efficiencies in the life cycle of the asset. We're talking about coupon payments all the way through until maturity of the asset. And they're building in partnership with SEB, which has a focus on sustainability. So while they're not only focusing on green bonds, they are trying to find ways to capitalize on building sustainable infrastructure while finding capital efficiencies along the way.
2: Credit Agricole, one of the biggest banks in the world, it's like pretty great news. Number four, we've got an announcer from our very own sister company, Security Token Advisors, announcing a brand new platform, a research community, that we call the Success Network. We're excited about this because this is a way that we can now serve the industry in a wider capacity. We're gonna bring this intelligence that we've been custom developing for our clients, Kyle. We're gonna bring that together. In one place so you can access it all hundreds of resources as well as a weekly intelligence email events with special speakers as well as a bunch of other tools including the opportunity to publish on stm.co so check it out at securitytokenadvisors.com we're announcing that it's officially going live on april 18th but you can become a founding member if you join before then so we'd love to see you in there we've already got over a hundred members cool. Investment banks, asset managers, compliance, lawyers, of course,
0: the technology providers, and many of the industry players
2: were having a great time in there.
0: Awesome platform, major shout out to Peter Gaffney, who you'll see later in the show, giving you all the secret sauce. And in the number three, UBS, launching a cross quarter payment network, or at least a repo payment using distributed ledger technology. It's a little bit of a mouthful, and they're working on so many different initiatives. Sometimes it's hard to keep track. But in this event, according to the press release, they're working with a large unnamed Asian bank, and they did a same-day intrabank repo Transaction And really what that means is it's basically where one bank needs liquidity, another bank has it, they make a transfer where it's repaid within the same day just to settle a specific transaction, tack a little fee on top of it. But these are high frequency things. They happen all the time between banks. And these are a great example of some of the things that smart contracts and blockchain can really improve the efficiencies of. You don't need people rubber stamping along the way. UBF doing great stuff, and they're using Broadridge's distributed ledger repo platforms. They had a third party provide the technology, and then the two banks were the facilitators. We'll get more on that with Peter Gaffney in just a minute.
2: Moving on to number two, we've got JPX. This is actually Japan stock exchange, officially becoming a partner in the Boostery issuance platform in Japan. Boostery is actually comprised of Nomura, NRI, SBI, uh, and actually 15 members totally across the consortium. but. Now they've officially given equity into the the issuance platform with JPX, which means that you've kind of seen the full life cycle now. You've got investment banks bringing great products and assuming the distribution. And now eventually I imagine that they will then trade on JPX's platform, one would presume. So really cool stuff coming out of Japan.
0: And number one, the number one piece of news that you need to know. Greenbrier Capital, a real estate developer and publicly listed company on both the US OTC markets and the Toronto Venture Exchange, now is listed on INX for secondary trading. They have a tokenized asset that represents the same equity share that trades on those other stock exchanges. We're bringing it into the ATS markets, bringing it into the tokenization space. They get voting rights, dividends, obviously the ownership in the company, and it trades 24-7, 365. Unlike any other place that you can trade this, tokenization prevails. Pretty impressive, and that's the top five. Let's get on to the institutional update. Welcome back to the institutional segment of the show. I'm Peter Gaffney, Head of Research at Security Token Advisors. As Kyle and Herwig touched upon in the top five, UBS worked with Broadridge and Broadridge's DLR, Distributed Ledger Repo Platform, to execute this private blockchain-based swap with UBS, right? So the DLT repo platform significantly increases settlement velocity and collateral mobility, which we saw while reducing operating costs and risks, especially with overnight repos, which is a big piece of it, right? Remarkably, and I can't believe how under the radar this is, the platform's pumping a whopping $1 trillion worth of transactions a month. I'm pretty impressed with JPM's repo system, personally, reaching a lifetime volume of half a trillion dollars in a few years. But seeing Broadridge's kind of volume is next level. So some viewers may be saying, yeah, but this is basically a private database, doesn't do anything for the industry, no new access for the public, etc. As I said last episode, though, I see value in the private blockchain side of the industry. Even small basis points in savings and cost reductions here, on trillions of doll- dollars of volume, translates directly into millions. If operational risk also gets reduced, then the parties involved become more comfortable and frankly you know, happier with the use of blockchain, which will then have positive externalities to their inclination for future blockchain projects, possibly even on the public tokenization side. So think of it that way. And lastly, bonds and repos are not the only place we're seeing private blockchains being used for assets and for tokenization. Equity shift, for example, is an SEC-registered broker-dealer and alternative trading system who makes use of its patented Byte blockchain instrument for transferable equity that gives issuers issuers, not the platform, but issuers complete access and flexibility to, flexibility to reach their investors. So focusing solely on pre-IPO shares and private equities, Equity Shift has a seasoned team from NASDAQ and NASDAQ private market, which is also a firm that will likely enter the tokenization space, whether on the private or public networks, and they're building this out. So that's all I have for today's updates. Check out our recent real-world asset tokenization primer right now on STM.co/Reports. We'll also be having a Q1 deep dive publishing as uh, soon, probably in the next coming weeks. Until then, let's see what Sam Sachs has in store with his market updates.
1: Hello and happy Monday. The security token market cap continues to inch down on low volume, currently settling at fifteen point five eight billion dollars. INX, in partnership with Greenbrier Capital Corp, or GEBRF, on the OTC market, a leading developer of sustainable real estate and renewable energy, announced pretty big news, that they're going to facilitate and list the GEBRF traditional shares as the first regulated tokenized shares of a publicly traded company. Through this collaboration, traditional stock certificates of Green Capital will now be able to be represented in a digital format and move seamlessly back and forth between traditional exchanges such as OTC markets and TSXV as well as digital ATSs like INX. In other news, Japan Exchange Group or the JPX is taking a stake in Nomura-led blockchain project Boostery as part of a deal to push the development of the security token market. JPX now owns five percent of Boosty's shares, with Nomura holding fifty-one percent, NRI holding thirty-four percent, and SBI ten percent. It was founded in 2019, and they developed "quote I Bet for Fin," a decentralized finance platform operated by a fifteen firm strong consortium, and used to issue security tokens for securitized products and corporate bonds. Working with Boostree JPX has already developed a scheme for digitally tracked green bond, a bond-type security token issued by the exchange. And through the new alliance, JPX will develop other services in conjunction with the iBet for Fin consortium and work to establish a new capital market scheme with the aim of developing the security token market. JPX is taking a big bet on tokenization. And that's all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week, and we'll see you next Monday. So kicking off our main topic this week, Herwig, I felt
0: like, and I think we both agreed that it was worth talking about the differences between public and private, and private and public and blockchains. These are all technology layers, but there's all these words that describe the permissions that the individuals and the participants within the network have and don't have in order to transact and use them. And I thought that especially considering we've covered so much institutional banking news with Boostree raising more money, we see UBS building their repo transactions on chain just in today's top five, it was worth talking about the differences between private and public. Just last week, there was a
2: massive conference brought together some of the biggest banks in the world with Matt McDermott, who's the head of the digital assets at Goldman Sachs, saying that he does not see Wall Street ever adopting public blockchains. And on the other side, we just saw that Siemens, one of a, a Fortune 100 company maybe, uh, at least Fortune 500, that is uh, doing a $60 million corporate bond on, uh, I think, Euro actually, uh, on a public blockchain, Polygon in this case. So two very different approaches to the same uh, you know thing, the same solution. So yeah, Kyle, I think it's a great idea to get into the difference between private and public. It's a question on everybody's mind. I don't think we've got the right answer mm. as to which one will win. Uh, we may be biased in some certain ways, but I think we should try to get into it uh, and see why the heck is Goldman Sachs saying, well, there's no world of public blockchains. When at the same time
0: people are used, yeah. Before the show, before we started filming, you had a really insightful point that I think is a great way to kick this off. Especially we we're talking about about the Broadridge distributed ledger platform that UBS was using in their repo transaction. What's the difference between a, a Distributed ledger technology and then the blockchain pieces. So, what's happening
2: is we've got the classic public blockchains, Ethereum being one of the most popular uh, because there's multiple alternatives that you can use using the same underpinning blockchain technology. But as we've noticed, there's security tokens on Bitcoin, uh, the Lightning Network, there, as well as many other blockchains that you can then go and see what are these transactions. That's what makes them public. On the private end, Uh, it is by design, not necessarily visible to everybody, right? And so that's why you've actually also got distributed ledger technology, which we don't want to get into the big nuances here because they're essentially in the same camp of being able to, you know, basically whitelist and control. But ultimately, the big difference is is that with a DLT, you don't really need a consensus mechanism to power it. Whereas with blockchains, you know, ultimately that's why they're there to make it sort of decentralized and, have a third-party validation system. At the end of the day, in the world of public, what I think uh, Matt is trying to say is that this is just too valuable. Their network, the technology, the IP, they can get all the same results and satisfaction of instant settlement and being able to create collateral networks and repo networks without needing to necessarily publish all of the data via a public blockchain, Kyle. That's my assumption as the very root of why they are creating their own solutions as opposed to, say, a public company uh, saying, hey, let's go ahead and issue uh, on a public blockchain.
0: Yeah, I think that that's definitely a really big piece. The other side that I, I just we can't ignore is the compliance and the oversight requirements that banks and financial institutions have to adhere to. And so as a licensed financial institution— the buck stops with you on when anything goes wrong. And the problem with public blockchains is that they cannot necessarily control everything that goes on there, which the liability will still fall back on them even if it wasn't their fault. A lot of the regulators' perspectives, especially here in the States, are that you need to be taking control of this or else it is your fault for not doing so. So when we look at private blockchains, that permissioned is another term that's used. They're not exactly synonymous, but they kind of represent similar things. In a private blockchain, you're going to have whitelists, right? You're going to have individuals that are cleared to participate inside of the network. And if you're not expressly approved to participate, you can't do it, which, again, important for if you only wanted brokers to participate, for example, as opposed to anybody in general. Of course, you also have all kinds of control needs with respect to where the data is going, who we can share this information with. We've got really valuable customer data. We have to be able to KYC, AML. We're gonna have the records of how much money they have and where it's going, all of that kind of stuff. We know banks are very sensitive around sharing and customers are probably very sensitive around who can see those things and may prefer to keep those things on the DL. Regulation is a great point, Kyle. Yeah. At the end of the day, the example of we
2: just issued a security token on Ethereum and then it comes out the next day that it's official. Ethereum is a security. Huge ramifications for the underlying blockchain technology. How is that going to affect your security token? This is your company that's trading on that very interesting technology conundrum that doesn't happen uh, normally, right? So I also think on that same point, it also lends into security as well, sure. right? So if you're creating your own blockchain technology, your own solution that you have full control over, can fix, update as you need it without necessarily needing some kind of public approval or anything like that, um, that's actually potentially very beneficial or very necessary to your point about regulation in order to control, again, what happens if Ethereum somehow got hacked or corrupted in some way. But I would also argue, Kyle, that it could go both ways, right? That at the end of the day, that sure... Uh, You could have more control and therefore more security, but you're still vulnerable to the same hacking and same other bugs that we've actually talked about previously on the show, a full main topic, driving down the vulnerabilities of security. And public blockchains have their own form of security. Bitcoin's never been hacked uh, so it is its own form of problem. Say that it's open source, you got more developers totally working on it. So in that regard, you maybe have more competitive or more advanced technology available. Uh, that That's kind of how I see it playing both ways.
0: Yeah, I think that the other side of the benefits to the public blockchains is the idea of composability, interoperability. I talk about this all the time here on the show, where if you're trying to bring in other participants into the network, building something that is available and is able to be worked on and built on and tested and trialed across jurisdictions, across all of the different platforms, new tech products that are coming to market the public blockchain piece is probably going to be your best bet. Now, is that the main focus for Goldman Sachs? Absolutely not, right? They don't really want any newcomers coming in. They want to control a lot of these things. However, you could see that organic movement happening where a lot of some of the smaller players all build together and build a competitive network from a liquidity standpoint or something like that. Not to mention, I think that with publicly available code, with public blockchains, with interoperability, by embracing some of these things, you're gonna see more innovation. And so as we see with the DeFi stuff, there's a lot of exciting innovation that the banks haven't quite caught up to yet, especially from a cost of capital perspective. It's much more expensive to do some of those things with a private bank. Now, is it less risky to your point? Yes, probably. And is it more liquid? Yes, probably. But a lot of this innovation is likely not going to happen from the incumbents. It's going to happen from the new players.
2: And I think that uh, extends to another point regarding what I think is a plus for public blockchains. Is that same DeFi innovations, those same rails that we're creating for people to operate on, that will lead to more financial services for your underlying security token. What do I mean by this? An example, Kyle, we have a security token, let's say it represents a piece of real estate. Uh, If it's on a private blockchain, let's say it's with JPM's network, so honored to be a part of the Onyx group, uh, we have this trading and it's available to their amazing network, but it's also only stuck to their collateral network. We're limited to those options. Now, say this was on Avalanche, for example, and we had multiple lenders or DeFi solutions building out on the Avalanche blockchain, it's gonna be much easier for us to get more lending options because it's already on the same rails, right? Those same lenders now have to go work with who, sorry, JPMs. Uh, services. So the idea is because blockchain is decentralized, anybody can build on it. To your point about DeFi, we're going to see massive explosion of what I call financial services available to your security tokens, which I think in that case will need to be on a public chain in order to support that uh, and could be more beneficial.
0: Totally right. I think to, to wrap up the whole view on the public blockchains, The unfortunate reality that DeFi is now being seen as a national security threat from the U.S. and probably from other places because of the fact that it is to some degree permissionless and that doesn't allow the control that a lot of regulators want. Whether they should have it or should not is a totally different discussion, but are they gonna fight for it? You bet. And so because of that, it's probably going to be very tough for any financial institution that wants licenses to work with things that have this level of variability that they cannot control for. Oftentimes, that tends to scare regulators from giving approvals for things because you can't control all the variables. Those are words from the Treasury Department.
2: Uh, We see, obviously, the SEC cracking down left and right. There seems to be a bit of a turf war of trying to regulate. Meanwhile, Congress is trying a million different failed attempts to try and and bring some kind of clarity. So we're definitely in an interesting period. I think that's a great point, Kyle. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add, but I think that the reality is is we're not going to be able to just make a definitive reality of what's ultimately going to be the go-to adoption. Is it the new solutions that are blockchain enabled by the traditional incumbents? Or is it perhaps the new solutions that are available on public chains? We do see, interestingly enough, maybe a little bit more international adoption for public blockchains, Kyle, than we do uh, for here in the US. Uh, so it's gonna be an interesting, uh, well, play of innovation that we're gonna. Yeah, do. so with that, let's get into our Companies of the Week and close out the show. Now for our Companies of the Week, where we get to choose each a company that we thought made the biggest moves in the space last week that
0: obviously deserves a spotlight. Uh, Kyle, who do you want to kick it off to for episode 183? I want to give it to a company, a consulting business out of Italy. We know that education is such a key piece to adoption in the security token industry. Working with financial players, working with institutions to help them understand what technology is actually going to improve their business models. And so shout out to Satif Advisory. They are building DeFi security token solutions with a bunch of different providers, including Fireblocks and others locally in Milan. And they are building tools, they're creating research and they're helping innovation. I thought it's really cool. It's often a thankless job. So shout out to Satif for doing some great work. Absolutely, seems like it's it's a lot of legwork to put all of that together. So congratulations to Satif.
2: Love that choice, Kyle. For me, I got to give it to one of America's biggest banks. Mm. This has to go out to Citi. Citi Group actually put out a report and said that there's going to be about $4 trillion worth of tokenized securities by 2030. So a little bit under the report we saw from Boston Consulting Group, but actually put it around closer to $16 I think. Uh, But at the end of the day, they identified roughly $268 trillion worth of securities across corporate debt. Uh, across real estate funds private equity and venture capital trade finance and of course collateral uh, and other types of uh, securities lending industry so they roughly think four trillion of that 268 is gonna to be tokenized by 2030. And of course, pointing to all the benefits as a result of why this is happening. So I think this is good because whenever a major bank like this comes out and endorses tokenization, people pay attention, it gets in the news, and people wanna learn more about how this is happening and why this works. So Citi, thank you for doing that research, for coming up with your $4 trillion number. I think it's probably gonna be closer to five times that uh, by 2030. Mm. But hey, I'm optimistic, 100%. maybe a little biased
0: and with that we thank you for watching the show leave your feedback comments thoughts suggestions share this video with anybody in your network that you want to help them understand a little bit more about tokenization check out stm.co
2: for all your latest news and training information around security tokens and of course now check out that success network if you're interested in joining our research community and with that we'll catch you next monday happy tokenizing